We hear a lot of perspectives on the Mankind Podcast. Inclusion of a guest is not an endorsement of their views, and the opinions expressed here do not always represent the mission or values of the Mankind Project USA. Looks like the rain has gone. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's Boys and Hodgson on the Mankind Podcast, the podcast where we set out to prove that there is indeed more than one way to be a man. Doing it episode on episode, I'm super happy with how things are going on the podcast. So today, I have the opportunity to speak with somebody who I just recently met as kind of a serendipitous outreach from a theater company in Colorado. And that is Cordelia Zars. So first, Cordelia, say hello. Hi, everybody. Great to be here. So Cordelia is with the Empathy Theater Project. And she's a classically trained pianist, vocalist, and composer. She combines passion for music with 10 years of radio broadcast journalism to create stories for the stage that explore timely social and environmental issues Her first musical, Man Up, which we will be talking about for sure, investigates the roots of gender violence and continues to profoundly affect audiences throughout the U.S. She's hard at work researching her next show, which we are also going to be talking about. Cordelia is thrilled to be launching a nonprofit that creates space for art and empathy to thrive. And Cordelia and the Empathy Theater Project reached out to me recently in my role with the Mankind Project because of the second production that they are doing, which is called We're Still Here, and we'll be talking about that at some length during the process, but I'm going to set Cordelia up. The reason that I wanted to do this podcast was because of the way Cordelia explained what the Empathy Theater Project is about. So that's where we're going to start. What's the Empathy Theater Project about? Yes. So Empathy Theater Project is a nonprofit here in Colorado. We're based out of Boulder. And we got started because as artists, we were perceiving a lot of division in America, which I'm sure is foreign to nobody at this time, um, culturally, politically, just about in every way. And we as artists were thinking of ways that we could help foster compassion and foster empathy in a time where it feels like ideologically we're more divided than ever. I don't know if that's actually true. Probably the Civil War was pretty brutal. (laughs) But, um, But I think as artists, we're trying to find ways where we can use our craft and our crafts are music, storytelling, theater arts to break down these barriers that divide us as Americans. And we really feel like as the news um, becomes more political, as social media takes a greater place in forming our echo chambers and our ideologies, that art serves a very different purpose. Art has a way of impacting people on an emotional level that allows us to step out of our own prisms, even just for a minute and walk a mile in somebody else's shoes. It's very hard not to be impacted by a song. It's very hard not to be impacted by the immediacy of watching an actor express his, hers, their emotions on a stage. Um, And so we really try to engage with these practices 
to help our crew and our audiences and our fellow Americans engage in a little bit of healing work around social and environmental issues that are divisive. And so we do a couple of things in our theater project. We write all original work, we write plays and musicals, and we also have a community monologue series in which we help our own community tell and perform their own stories, which has been very fun. And so right now we are kind of wrapping up our second full season of shows. Like I, like you mentioned, Boyson, before we have run our first original musical, which was called Man Up. We've run that a couple times here in Boulder. And right now we're, we're deep in rehearsals for our second full-length feature musical called We Are Still Here. And, um, and then next year we'll be doing another community monologue series. So that's kind of an umbrella view of what we do at ETP. Some beautiful things that I, that I just, that call to me in what you're saying. So community monologue series, there's a level in our conversation previously and in this conversation where engagement is really at the core. It's like engaging people, engaging community in the artistic process and in the kind of production of everything that you're doing, Mm -hmm. which I think is really beautiful. Um, I think it was the Dalai Lama who said what, you know, someone asked him, what do we need to create more peace in the world or to make the world a better place? And his simple response was more festivals. (laughs) like more art, mm-hmm. more places where we come together. And I think that's beautiful. It's hard to lose track of our connection to community when we are engaged in mm-hmm. art. Yeah. And I think that as a society, we're very good at forgetting how important art is just because financially it's hard to value in a capitalistic model and we don't realize you know if you thought about what our world would look like without art without music to accompany you on your morning commute like our our days would be so meaningless and I think we we take for granted how much of a role art serves in our everyday lives not to mention um, reinforcing the compassion the empathy, the unity of our human experiences, that really is what art has always done for humanity and continues to do. And I think particularly at difficult times in our history, we're facing a lot right now as a people, whether that's social divisions, whether that's climate change, there are a lot of big questions that we're grappling with. And I think gravitating towards artistic experiences, going and seeing live theater, engaging with music, there's a level of hope that that brings to us and unity that that brings to us that's hard to explain even why, but it does and we all are affected by that. And so I agree with you. I think that it's really important that we continue to seek out opportunities to be connected through the arts. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you. And conflict. So let's talk about let's talk about man up first so you started in our conversation that we had recently introducing the empathy theater project inviting the mankind project into some sort of collaboration talking about your first show so give us a little taste of that tell me a story about 
what Man Up did for yeah. you, for the cast, for the audience. Yeah, absolutely. So Man Up was the first musical that I wrote, and it was a response in a lot of ways to the Me Too movement in 2017, where there began to be a more open discourse around sexual abuse in the workplace, in, in media. And um, as much as I felt that it was incredibly important to have the conversation centered around women, I am someone who always likes to find root causes. And I think that me growing up in rural Wyoming with two brothers really affected how I I saw the demands of masculinity be imposed mm. on boys growing up mm. and the unhealthy culture that that creates and how behaviors stem from that type of emotional repression and emotional unavailability that then ends up trickling down to and affecting other genders. And I think that I always felt like, can we address the root cause here? Is there a way to speak to the profound disconnection that a lot of men are forced to have with their own emotional beings that if we heal these parts of us, then maybe women won't be hurt as much and maybe non-binary and transgender folks won't be so ostracized. And so I kind of started looking at the state of masculinity in our country and realizing how much of an epidemic there is in our culture of men feeling like they can't cry, of men mm -hmm. feeling like they can't, you know, dance or sing. It's, it's, it's insane, but these are the expectations, right? And then the disconnection that that fosters, the, the division that that fosters inside somebody's own being and the, the amount of emotional repression just ends up, I think, creating behaviors that are unhealthy for everybody. So with that backdrop, that's what the musical is about. The musical is a story of a boy growing up on a ranch in the West. Um, he grows up with his sister, Jill. And the play happens in three acts. And so you see him as a small child, as like a seven-year-old. You see him in middle school, high school, and then you see him as an early adult. And over the course of those three acts, Duncan is his name, starts as a very fun, open, quirky, emotional little boy, as all children are. And then in his first year of high school, he really begins uh, receiving bullying around his love of nature, around his love of animals, around his best friend, whose name is Clara, he starts being questioned. His sexuality begins to be questioned, even though he has a crush on Clara, he, he presents as a straight man. His sexuality begins to be questioned, and he that's so threatening to him. It's so ostracizing that he has this moment in the musical where he realizes uh, and there's a song, his big solo is called I Can't Be Myself Anymore. Mm. And he has this transformation where he's um, receiving, there's so much pain happening at school and so many demands on him to perform this version of masculinity that doesn't feel right for him. But he realizes that in order to conform and to be accepted, he needs to try. And so he has this whole conversion where he's like, okay, I'll, I'll be a man, I'll be loud, I'll, I'll play the game. And, and he yeah. does, and, and then in Act 3, 
we see just the disconnection that that forms with his family, with his best friend, with himself. He becomes like very depressed. Um, he starts working in a job that he that means nothing to him, um, just to sort of prove things to his family. And yeah, I mean, the musical had honestly more impacts than we could have anticipated on both our yeah. cast and our audience. I think all writing comes from a very personal place and you're not necessarily thinking about the impact that it might have at the time that you're writing. But when we started performing it, so one of our actors, our youngest actor, Hayden, and I know that he, he won't mind me telling his story because uh, he's told it publicly before, but he was a, he was a child. He was I think 10 years old when he first acted in our production, he was our lead in act yeah. one. And he at the time was going through something very similar to Duncan, the character. He was, he was being bullied at school um, around the colors that he wore around the voice that he spoke with um, and just feeling like he couldn't be himself and his family as much as they were trying to reinforce positive messages for him. He was really struggling and on closing night, he, he did an incredible job. He was like the most electrifying performer to watch. The audience absolutely loved him. But on closing mm -hmm. night, he just, he came up to me and he was bawling, was just sobbing. And we both just started sobbing our eyes out. And just, he's, he said, this musical saved my life. And just realizing the impact that a story could have on a, a little boy that was trying to figure himself out, but didn't have a play, a community that was telling him you belong. You can be yourself. You can be whoever you want. You can wear a skirt if you feel like it, like nobody cares here. And for him to feel like he had a place in the world and then to see him gain confidence, to see him step into his own person and really own it and be supported in that place was just, I mean, if that's the only thing the musical did, it, it was worth it. Um, but also seeing audience members, like there was an audience yeah, member. It wasn't the only thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, and seeing, that. I think some, some of our older audience members, um, it was really interesting to watch. Like, I don't think people knew what they were getting into when they came in to see the show and a lot of like middle-aged men who came in to just see a family member or to come with their partner or whatever ended up, I don't know. There were a lot of tears in the finale, just, um, I think, and a lot of men approached us afterwards and said, this is my life. This is something I experienced. And until this moment, I had not processed it. I had not talked to anybody about it because there's this stigma around processing emotions. So I do think that it was, it was healing for everybody. It was healing for, for me, our, our writers, our crew, and for our cast certainly, but I think also seeing the ripple into the audience just made us feel affirmed in the power of art to facilitate healing. Yes. Thank you. And for, uh, you know, our audience, those of you who are listening to the podcast, right? There we are. Here's why we do the work in the mankind project is to create that space. And it's no accident at all that in the programs that we do, and the men's groups that we do, there is often this reintegration, this looking back into, okay, the, the golden children that we were, the, the little boy that mm -hmm. we were, 
that had all of this exuberance and love and availability and and then we shut ourselves down and shut ourselves down and shut ourselves down. Mm-hmm. Thank you for thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah, and I I asked you, and I'll just put it out here: is are, there are some recordings from Man Up? Are they publicly available? Yes and no. We have yes, so, yes, we have songs, song recordings from the show. Um, on our SoundCloud page. So if you okay. go to SoundCloud Empathy Theater Project, you can listen to a lot of recordings from our shows there, which are beautiful. Um, we do have video clips that are available on our Instagram and our YouTube. So you can see cer- selected songs. And okay. we do have the full show recorded also. So if you're really dying to see it, you can email me and we'll send it to you. It's not, it's not online just because, um, it's copyrighted work and, yeah. and, um, also live theater feels so different than whatever a video is able to capture. And so, yeah, we've always encouraged people to come see our live shows and the feel of it is very different when you're watching it in yes, person. Yes, yeah, for sure. And that, that's, I was going to go there too. There is something very different. I'm I'm imagining myself in the place of one of those huh, middle-aged white guys, huh? Mm-hmm. Like the guy I see in the mirror every day mm-hmm. it's coming in. Hey, so-and-so's son, daughter, relative brother is in this play. We're going to go see the play and coming into the theater. And then the experience of the, of what actually happens. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something to be said for, the visceral somatic experience of being together Mm -hmm. in a space where these kinds of awakenings happen, where these openings happen. Right. Yes. And you're feeling, you are literally feeling the wavelengths of sound resonate with your body. Like, I think that's the, the power of live music, live theater is that you're not listening to something through your headphones. You are there, your body's actually absorbing the frequencies and there is, like you said, the somatic experience of bodies in resonance, bodies breathing together. It, there is an inexplicable power to that experience that I think summons emotions in a way that's very hard to replicate over a screen. Bodies breathing together. Yes, I love that. And that's Man Up. And now I want to kind of fast forward a little bit and talk about the show that you're working on right now, because with this image and with this visceral felt sense of bodies breathing together, now let's go to the story context for We Are Still Here and kind of, because this is going to be a very different theater experience. Yes. Yes, yes, it's a very so different show. Let's talk about show. We're Still Here. Yeah. Yes, We're Still Here. We're very excited about it. We're in it right now. We're Still Here is our next original musical that's coming out this fall. It is inspired by a true story, and it's a true story of events happening at a place called Oak Flat in Arizona where a multi-billion dollar copper mine is threatened to destroy the ancient ceremonial grounds of the Chiricahua Apache people. And at the same time, the mine promises economic rescue 
for several local mining towns that have been struggling um, with unemployment, with the opioid crisis, and the mine would give them their jobs back and their lives back in a lot of ways. And so as Empathy Theater Project, we are dedicated to fostering empathy. And that means telling many sides of difficult issues, not just one. So we in this play are telling two sides of the story. One is the mining is a mining family who very much wants and needs this mine to survive. And the other is a indigenous family um, for whom this place is their sacred land, their sacred water. And to lose this to a mine basically means their their sacred practices will go extinct. There's nowhere else that they can practice. This is their church. Um, and at the same time, we also look at the environmental implications of the mine. Obviously, it would be very destructive environmentally, but copper is a resource that we need for green energy. Um, electric cars, solar panels, windmills, they use about they use an order of magnitude more copper than um, non-electric cars. Mm -hmm. And so as we continue to convert into green and renewable energy, this is a reality that we're going to be facing, not just in Oak Flat, Arizona, but everywhere in the world. And so we're kind of looking at this from a high level, level thematically of how, what are the growing pains of facing a future where we need to think about sustainability and whose land gets desecrated to accommodate the needs of our economy and of our planet. And so that's very high level. Um, the, the musical was co-authored. I wrote it along with a, an indigenous elder named Alex Walker Jr., um, who's a really good friend of mine. He's Meskwaki. And so we have, the, the show is not about Oak Flat. It's a fictionalized story. And we like mm -hmm. to think of it as Oak Flat meets Romeo and Juliet. And so it okay. has been, yeah, taken out of Oak Flat. It's not, it doesn't serve to document what's happening at Oak Flat. Um, but it is based on years of research and interviews that we conducted at Oak Flat and prayer ceremonies and prayer runs that we participated in. And the show is also based on a lot of Alex's ceremonial traditions and language. And he contributed a lot of medicine songs to the show. So this show is a very unique work. It is musical theater combined with traditional Meskwaki medicine songs. And yeah, it's just, it has been a very beautiful process we are midway through rehearsals right now and the actors are well basically from our writing team to our crew to our actors it is a big cross-cultural collaboration between indigenous and non-indigenous people to really join hands in telling a story that requires all of us to tell and we are all putting our hearts and souls into bringing this story to life with the intention of bridging divides of fostering empathy of, of creating awareness around a topic that's going to be very present for us in the coming years. Very present. And when I'm aware of, you said in the, when we spoke previously that half the cast, half the crew, half the writers, it's basically a direct 
collaboration between indigenous folks and non-indigenous folks Mm -hmm. on the production. Mm -hmm. How is, how is that going in terms of what is the intercultural kind of conversation that's happening as you are doing this? Yes, it is. It's new for all of us. Um, and it is a beautiful process that has engendered so much learning and growth for all of us. And of course it has had its challenges. I think all of us, um, you know, it's easier not to engage in this type of work, to be honest. It's very hard. It's very hard to understand where your blind spots are. It's very hard to understand what your internal biases are. And that goes for all of us, for indigenous and non-indigenous people. There are blocks that we've run into for everybody. Um, on how do we write the show together? What does that process look like? How do we direct a show together? And then how do we act? How do we put so much of ourselves into acting these parts um, where we're acting out a conflict, but we have to work together to do that? Mm-hmm. And we have just, I would say the the word that comes to mind is intention. We have spent a lot of time framing these processes, framing the show, and working really hard to develop a process by which this can happen in a graceful way, not to say that there have not been challenges along the road and there will be, there will continue to be. But I think all of us in our little corner of the world are here to do the work of democracy. And that means that it's messy. You know, it means that it's, there are conversations that come up that are hard and in acknowledging our whiteness in certain situations and acknowledging um, privilege that comes out in such subtle ways, like the mm. language that we use around describing the stage, the language that we use around describing music that seem that we take for granted. Those of us that have been in musical and theater training for to all time that we can remember. And then people are entering a space like this for the first time and what kind of exercises are actually like steeped in privilege that we're not aware of. And so it, it really is, a breaking down of of all the things that we take for granted in the arts and trying to open this space to create more access. Um, and so what we've done this fall is we've, we've really expanded our typical rehearsal process to be about as, twice mm. as long. And mm. so what we're doing is that um, at the same time that we're in rehearsals, we're also, we're packaging that with, vocal and theater training that comes with it. And so there is a rehearsal process, but there's also an arts training process for anybody that's coming into this as a new actor or a new singer. They are getting the foundations of all of this so that they can become also leaders in the arts and that hopefully the next production that they're in, they'll be one step ahead in understanding how to read music or how to follow along or how to take blocking notes, like all these things that they might not have had access to for a million reasons. Most of which that is that theater and musical training is expensive. Um, and so, yeah, it's a process. Um, but I would say that, I don't know, last night we were rehearsing the finale Mm. of the whole show, which is a song that all the characters come back in at, at the very end of the show and it ties everything together. And, the people start crying 
It was like so beautiful. And everybody sings in unison. Like the entire show is written basically in three part harmony. And so there are all these musical divides that are happening in different parts that are overlaid. It's complicated music. And then the finale is all sung in unison, all the voices together on the same exact note. And the power of hearing that, I was like getting all choked up last night, just hearing all these voices come together and knowing that this is a group of people that never ever would be in a room together much less singing together if we didn't if we hadn't written this show and then hearing the power of the the voices together and seeing the cast members like actually start crying and just realizing the impact of these lyrics and these melodies in shaping our experience and our empathy as human beings is profound like it is silly we're putting a musical on like people are singing and dancing on stage like it's ridiculous right but also there is real power in this experience. There's, there's therapy. It's therapy. <laughs> it's therapy. Yes, 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 yes. Talk about it as, I mean, you're kind of describing in this way. I'm going to bring this language into the frame just so that we have it in here as a diversity, equity, and inclusion kind of process, right? It is about structurally informing everything that you're doing from the idea of inclusion and belonging Mm -hmm. in in the space and you may may or may not resma menicum is that a name that rings any bells for you it's totally different world right art world versus like the psychology world Mm -hmm. resma menicum wrote a book called my grandmother's hands and he is uh, i don't know if he would describe himself as a dei person but he uh, looks is looking specifically at race racism racial interactions and his entire practice starts with somatics mm. the entire practice starts with breathing together mm-hmm. the entire and and you know he's very strong about saying like if you don't start there in these interactions then you can't move beyond there mm-hmm. If you don't get bodies breathing in unison together, then Mm -hmm. you're never going to be able to touch the trauma, Mm. the legacies of trauma that are embedded in our bodies, embedded in white bodies, embedded in black bodies, embedded in indigenous bodies. Yes. Yes. And that, yeah, yeah, right. It is, that is exactly what we are working towards I think in the practice of being in a room together and I had never thought about that in the terms that you just described from that psychologist book but I think intuitively we well prayer has a huge part in in this process for us because the indigenous our indigenous director and our indigenous elder really lead this process with it's all about water. It's all about water protection. And the river is a character in our show. The river, we have six river spirits who are the river. And wow. they, part of our rehearsal process with them is that they are engaged in water offerings and, and ceremony this entire time to, and, and Bianca, who's our indigenous director, she's incredible. Um, and she very much believes like we're not just portraying this on stage, we're actually engaging in prayer. We're engaging in offering. We're engaging in unity with the earth and the elements. We're not just pretending we are. 
And so that's a big part of our process. And we do begin all rehearsals with a breathing exercise, with a mindfulness exercise. And then we're dropping into this fictional space where people, I think it's very difficult for people to process their own trauma together or just to talk to somebody else about it. But suddenly when you're processing a character, you're embodying a character's experience that is probably close to yours, but is not yours. Somehow there's this level of being able to work through things that are hard to talk about, but suddenly it's not yours. It's not exactly yours, but it might be tangential to yours. And you're able to enter into somebody else's experience, breathe life into it through song, witness somebody else's experience and come together in a very embodied physical experience. That is just, yeah, it's unlike, it's unlike anything else. Theater is unlike anything else in music. Um, but at the same time, it feels very resonant with the work that you guys do at Mankind. And I know you're involved in those breathing mindfulness group activities that, I mean, it is the same work in different dimensions. It really is. And yes, it really is. And there's an, there's an, uh, an act as if there's a, a step into kind of invitation, both in theater and in the work that we do, like, when I or when I'm working with a man, when we're working with men who have trouble like embodying, I, I think, you know, I don't know what I feel. I don't know. I don't know what, it, what is it sadness? It feels like mm-hmm. maybe it's sad. And then to go into the experience of, okay, well, let's just act as if. So can we breathe together? And, <sighs> and the music does the same thing right Mm -hmm. theater does the same thing i can't experience this emotion well here try this song Mm -hmm. or here let's try singing this together Mm -hmm. that it cracks open the availability to those emotional experiences emotional expression Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely that's that's really really nice so um Talk a little bit. So we are right now in third week of October. This this is happening fairly quickly. So talk a little bit about like you're midway through rehearsals now. What's the ramp? What's the on ramp look like for you? Um, yeah, not freaking out at all. <laughs> no, we're good. We're good. <laughs> we're gonna be fine. <laughs> um. It always comes together, but we have, we have four more weeks of singing and blocking rehearsals. People are supposed to be memorized in six days, which I'm realizing now I need to remind the cast of that today. Um, and then we load into our space, which is the Dairy Art Center in Boulder, Colorado. And then we have tech rehearsals, which means you put all the lights, the costumes, the hair and makeup, you do full runs of the show. It's where you put all of the pieces together. Um, which is really fun. Our pit orchestra will come. And then we open the show the night after Thanksgiving, which is um, a really significant day for indigenous people. And, um, and so, yeah, it just feels, it felt like the right time to be opening this show the day after Thanksgiving, where this will, these issues will be on people's minds anyway. Um, And then we run our first weekend. We have four shows that weekend after Thanksgiving. And then, We'll have a couple days off and then we do a second weekend of shows December or November 30th through December 3rd. And then it'll be over for now. 
yeah. over for now. That is significant. Yes, the, the Thanksgiving holiday is something that we've been talking about in the Mankind Project for a number of years now as with the Native American men who are involved in the pro- project and our connections to indigenous communities. Mm-hmm. Very different experience of these two things, right? Mm-hmm. And there is this kind of tension, conflict in in the dialogue of what does it mean to one group of people? What does it mean to another mm-hmm. group of people? So we've mm-hmm. it's been very delicate and also very what deep meaningful grieving grief grief and gratitude existing next to each other mm-hmm. as as kind of can we hold these two things can we yeah. hold all of this together yeah absolutely so what else what else is there i'm i'm very curious if you think from the this I'm asking you to, I think, bear witness to what's the experience been like of working with uh, especially indigenous performers and stage folks who are coming into this? Do you feel like the collaboration is going to bring something into indigenous culture that makes other things possible? Does the question make sense? No. <laughs> Sorry. Can it, cool. But, yeah. <laughs> you said you said yesterday, right? We were talking about the idea that uh, so much of indigenous culture, so much of indigenous prayer, so much of indigenous story is oral tradition, mm-hmm. and that oral tradition, the ex- extinction, genocide in indigenous communities, is when the last person who knew the story no longer has the story to tell, Mm -hmm. right? That is a death. That is a death of something important. Mm -hmm. Is there a way in which you see this collaboration contributing to a a continuation and evolution of the oral tradition for Mm -hmm. the folks who are involved? I hope so. And I certainly don't want to, put words in any right any mouths of our indigenous actors and their experiences but I do think that people have voice to me that this is a powerful means of expression for them um, particularly Alex who's my co-author he he came to our first read-through of the show after we finished our first draft of the script and he sat in a chair and he closed his eyes as we and a bunch of actors were reading through the script for the very first time. And he was quiet and he just had tears streaming down his face because as a, he's a, he's an elder, he's an older man. He's a sun dancer. He's a Vietnam veteran. He's had so many life experiences. He grew up on a native settlement in Iowa without electricity or running water. Um, he faced a lot of racism as a child And for him to have people bear witness to his experience and for him to have a way where he was able to collaborate with a group of people to write down, even even in a fictional sense, but to document the experiences that he's had and put them into writing and then have them read back to him. Mm. I think, um, I know that it really moved him and he's been the 
biggest proponent of this project moving forward, despite obstacles that we've faced along the way. Alex has always said, we need to do this. We need to put the story on. We're ready. The world is ready. Um, And I know that it's been a really impactful experience for him because he's told me these stories are not written down. These languages are not written down for the most part. And so any way of, again, yeah, we talk a lot about cultural preservation in the show and ways of passing on the teachings, especially of our elders, is incredibly important. And it's really, really cool to see. We kind of have like several levels of ages represented in our show mm-hmm. and to have Alex, who's our elder, and then to have Eric, who's playing the role of the grandfather, who is really based on Alex and his life experiences. And then seeing what Eric as uh, a middle-aged young elder is what we call him, um, and for him to be breathing his own teachings into this script and also learning from Alex's ways. And then there are the grandchildren, his grandchildren actors mm. in the show that are that have the experience of young indigenous people in today's society who are, you know, grappling with different issues right now, but also learning from Alex, learning from Eric, and then able to put their own teachings into the script and I think seeing the pa- the torch be passed down is just I mean it's meaningful f- for me and so I imagine that every all of them are getting something out of this that yeah that that makes them I I hope feel very proud of everything that they have to bring to the show and everything that they're breathing into these characters for the very first time. This, these words have never been said out loud before. These songs have never been sung Mm. by anybody except for me and Alex. And so to hear the breath literally being moved over these words for the first time is just, I mean, I don't say this lightly. It's life changing. It is an experience that I don't think any of us have had before in this way. Thank you. Thank you also for, you know, I'm just clearly your intention and the intentionality with which you have centered the indigenous stories and had, had that inform, had that wisdom inform the whole thing, including the process, right? Including Mm -hmm. the process of how you are staging and how you are teaching and how you are singing and all of that is really powerful. How can, so we're a podcast, we're internet, we've got an international audience and how can people support uh, the show? How can people come see the show? How, what's next? Well, thank you for the chance to shamelessly plug our work. (laughs) I really appreciate that. Um, we think you guys are amazing and obviously feel very, very resonant with the work that you do. And so I think just the chance to talk to you, Boyson, is, um, so amazing and I'm really grateful for it. And I think for everybody listening, the fact that you're tuning into this podcast, that means that you are here to do the work that we're all doing right now. And so thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for listening. Thank you for doing your own work of healing and moving through the world with mindfulness and intention. We all need it. And I think for our show, 
If you're in Colorado or want to come see the show, please come. We would love to see you there. We'll, you can check out our work at empathytheaterproject.org and there are tickets for sale. Again, we'll be running the show November 24th through December 3rd. So if you're in the area, please please check us out. Please come and, and come say hi. We're a small team. We're a small family. We'll all be there. So if you want to meet any of us, we'll be hanging out. Um, and then we also, this has been a process that has demanded a lot more of us financially as a nonprofit because we are really dedicated to equ- equitably paying our indigenous actors. And we're also really dedicated to expanding our audiences and inviting indigenous communities to to come see this production. And for a lot of indigenous communities, there are economic barriers to entry just with a $35 ticket. And we are, we're needing help in the department of being able to subsidize tickets for indigenous communities and giving free tickets away as a as a small arts nonprofit, it's hard. That is a hardship for us to bear. We are not able to really give too many free tickets away without suffering the consequences ourselves financially. But if you feel moved to donate even $35 just to cover one person's ticket, that goes a long way for us. And of course, if you have the means to donate more, it, it truly is, um, it, it's huge for us. It helps it helps us do this work. So those are two ways that you can absolutely get involved and follow us on social media and check out our work. Um, we love, we love our community. So we welcome you into it. Thank you so much. Uh, and, uh, you know, also being connected to the mankind project USA. Thanks for the shout out and the plug and, uh, the mankind project USA board had a conversation last night and, Mankind Project USA will be uh, doing something to support the show and support the company as well to get this off the ground. And thank you so much. Uh, as that, sh- as you said, as you have said, right? Unity. This is this is what the work that we are doing in so many different ways in so many parts of our lives and in the world that it's worth supporting acts of unity acts of togetherness so there we are thank you cordelia for spending some time with me and for telling me uh talking to the audience about about what you're up to i look forward to hearing more about the show i don't know that i'll be able to make it to colorado but there we are no pressure (laughs) thank you so (laughs) much boys and i really appreciate the time to talk today and again just for all the work that you and your team is doing. We really appreciate it. Have a great day, everybody. And tune in again for the Mankind Podcast. Thank you. This has been the Mankind Podcast produced in association with the Mankind Project USA. And I personally want to thank our guests for joining us today and imparting their wisdom from their experiences in this amazing journey called life. Now, the fee for this episode is simple. If you found gold and insights that you believe could benefit your loved ones and those you care about, be sure to share it with them. And of course, remember that life doesn't happen to us. It happens for us. So long as we rip the pen out of fate's hand and become the author of our own story. So my friend, pick up the pen and we'll see you next week. Lots of love.